So how's uh, four point one coming? In, coming? Uh, well, you know, Dave, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, that's you know, it's a good as good of intro as any, really. I think. Um, so it it was the best intentions, Dave. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, there was a small problem that I discovered. You know, hmm. Uh, there was a small problem I discovered that um, people that uh, went in, they got the update, and they're like, oh, I would like to, you know, the, oh, I, there's an update. I, I feel like I should purchase uh, a uh, pro subscription. Yes. Uh, I, that's, I love, thank you, people of Earth. Um, there is a small problem <laughs> in which when you did that, it would instantly crash and you could never launch it again. I don't know. I couldn't find the link to because yeah, I well, I had downloaded one for yes, my wife's phone and yes, I downloaded yes. a new one for my phone and I was trying to find a link. No, to so buy a pro subscription. it was it was intentionally disabled after this okay. problem was okay. discovered. Yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there was a small problem. Um, not to get too into the technical weeds, but basically there's a sort of receipt validation process that's looking for okay. a couple of very specific pieces of information um, and. There was a slight issue uh, where it was not quite updated correctly uh, to include – there was a five where there should have been a six. Um, and mm. that basically caused the entire kingdom to crumble. So uh, Apple uh, granted my – I you know I said, hello, people that are trying to give me money that are melting down. Um, yeah. They were, you know, I had got some emails from some people saying, yes, I tried to pay you and now your thing is exploding. <laughs> um, they were very nice people. I, you know, I'm, they, I didn't get really any angry emails about this, but um, I, uh, uh, I did uh, figure out what the problem was. I submitted an, an update that's in the middle of expedited review right cool. now. A- Apple, unfortunately, is now, I, I just got an email from Apple like right before we started where they were asking me questions about stuff from like 10 versions ago, which is always a problem with the subjective review process like the App Store. They're like, oh, this thing that has been in the store for a year, like I'm the, the guy that sees it now is like, this doesn't look quite right to me. So oh. um, it's always, you know, it will, it will work out. It will be figured out quite, quite soon. Um, you know, it's funny because actually I did a lot of testing around this whole process. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not just me being negligent. Um, but... Uh, for again, for a lot of technical reasons that are not interesting to ninety nine percent of the world, um, there are certain specific conditions that are really difficult to test for, and this unfortunately ended up right in the middle of one of these things. So, yes, it is unfortunate. Uh, in the meantime, you cannot uh, in this interim period while I fix this problem, you can't make the purchase, but that will okay. be corrected soon. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it will be a small blip. In the world, so cool. it's all good. Uh, there's a lot of other improvements in the app that are uh, available to folks. You know, some really simple stuff that you that you'd think would be really obvious, but is actually really impactful. Like, there's a really simple filter now to show only restaurants that are open. So, for instance, if I you're like yeah, so if you're you know, one of the cool things about the app is that you can see stuff that's nearby. So if you you can now really easily filter for nearby restaurants that are open, which before you could just you you could do visually, right? Because there's yeah. a little red 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 yeah. uh, red green signals signal light thing, but now you can actually mm-hmm. filter them out. So you know, it's a lot of little stuff like that. Searchable map interface. 
it's not uh, no super um, revolutionary features, but a lot of incremental stuff. So I think cool. it's a it's a good update. And uh, once these little minor issues are worked out, it will be uh, a nice step forward. So good, you know, such is the way of the world, and uh, these things will be straightened out first. And if you are a Vegas Mate lover that wants to uh, join the Vegas Mate beta test program, please contact me. We can always use more of you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> The, the joys of creating software. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. So that's enough about Vegas, mate. I, actually, Dave, before we get into topics, I wanted to ask you uh, for a, a grandissimo update because, you know, I know that the uh, uh, 2013 was a huge grandissimo year, but I think the, the media tour continues. So what's the story? It's doing well. It's definitely selling. It's... Uh... We've got what do we? I've got a bunch of stuff scheduled in February and March. I think I'm speaking at every library in Las Vegas, <laughs> and well, I've got good. this this roundtable on March second, where we're getting a bunch of people, including fingers crossed Oscar Goodman, <gasps> uh, to talk about Jay's legacy, and that's going to be really exciting. Great, really, really exciting. So it's good. I had great word of mouth from people, you know. Apparently, like everybody in Vegas is reading this book and, and really likes it. It's good, you know. It's fun. I gave uh, I gave some copies away as as Christmas gifts, and I've heard back from folks that saying they really they really enjoy it. So, uh, you know, not it's no surprise, but you did a great job, and uh, that's I guess being reinforced. Thanks. Yeah, that that definitely means a lot. Thanks. No, it's uh, you know it's it's funny because it's this incredible it's just such an incredible story that hasn't been told before, and it. Uh, it really, it really is just amazing, and I'm glad. I'm really happy to see, you know, people that lived through it. Right? I guess Oscar Goodman is sort of the quintessential example. Uh, mm-hmm. He he knows how incredible this story was, and to see him, you know, out there telling people that the book is great, and it, it, you know, it, it this, this is a story that hasn't been told before in any kind of uh, really. A substantial way, and so this is his opportunity to explain to folks that don't get that part of history to really fill in all the blanks, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just it's it's just great to see people reacting so positively positively to the story. So it's it's really really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Book is fantastic. If you don't have Grandissimo already, uh, what's the best place for people to get it? Grandissimobook.com. GrandissimoBook.com. They can get it in any of the uh, ebook formats they want in several places, including I've got a breaking Vegas gang exclusive. <laughs> we have a new Las Vegas based retail partner, and that is the Neon Museum. Oh, nice. Ooh, that's great. So as of tomorrow afternoon, uh, Thursday afternoon, you'll be able to get copies of it in the Neon Museum. So it's now our Las Vegas retail partners include the Neon Museum, Mob Museum, and Gambler's Bookstore. That's awesome. So actually, I think, I, you know, I, uh, I've talked to you since then, Dave, but I realized that our last two episodes of the show have been interview editions that were sort of different format. And actually, Chuck, you uh, unfortunately couldn't participate in either one for, for scheduling reasons. Um, so we really haven't had a chance to recap for the audience. You know, you, were, you had some events at the, at the Mob Museum. I, I, I've, you know, I think you told me those went well, but oh, really, yeah. really quick, why don't you recap those for the audience? Yeah, I mean the Mob Museum event was was incredible. You know, it's it was in the old courtroom there, 
where they'd done the key offer hearings and a bunch of other things. So it was really just a great experience to talk about my book in front of a you know full house, very positive, and it was really great. It was really great. And everybody at the museum was just so professional. So it's it's wonderful when everyone else does such a great job that you can kind of stagger up there and rant on about what you're passionate about for an hour and uh, it comes off really well. So that, that went really well. It was great and it's really nice to see so many people were interested in, in the book. And the other thing, you know, usually for me doing the signings where you're just doing a signing or not speaking or just signing is like is terrible because you sit there and people kind of come by and look at you yeah, out right. of the corner of their eye right, and it's right, like right, they don't right. want to talk to you because they're afraid. I, I was in the, the museum... Uh, gift shop for four hours the day before and it was uh-huh. great i've well, never had fantastic. this much fun at a signing i mean uh, people were talking to me people some of them were asking me where the bathrooms were which luckily <laughs> i figured out um that's the old uh, security hospitality training come back yeah, in there exactly, exactly. i don't know sir but i can find out let me do that right now <laughs> it's right this way down the hall down the stairs and uh, on the right so yeah um, it was it, it was just great though it, being surrounded by people who we're obviously we're passionate about Las Vegas history, and we're just um, happy to be there. And great, great crowd. So no, that's I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I'm, I'm personally, I'm super happy to see that there's a strong appetite for that part of Las Vegas history. I think it's fantastic. There is, there is, and I think people want more. So I've got my work cut out for me. Ah, good. <laughs> and see, you know, I'm sure you know your your mom is like historian. That doesn't sound like a good, good, good thing to go into work. See, you're proving her wrong here. You're. Uh, yeah. Well, she wants was to read a book about a bunch of <laughs> casinos that have been blown up. And now you sound like my agent. <laughs> oh, I think it's great. I think it's great. I'm super, super glad that the book is doing well. And uh, anybody that hasn't read it yet or hasn't picked up a copy, I really cannot stress enough. Um, if you love Las Vegas, it is a it is it is a super important story. You you could not do better. Um, there are a, a few books for people that love Las Vegas that I would recommend, and this is on the very very short list. So you know you you have to read it if you care about this stuff. You just have to. And, and just to clarify, my mom has always been totally supportive. Uh, love you, mom. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, always been totally supportive and really cool about it. So yeah. Actually, told me when she was reading it, she was reading it slow because she didn't want it to end. Oh, see, well, that's you don't sweet. get, you can't get any better than that. That is very, that's <laughs> very sweet. That's very sweet. All right, uh, moving on from Grandissimo, uh, a quick but uh, important announcement about Vimp. You thought, uh, you know, it's January. You're like Vimp. We we had Vimp. Vimp was incredible. What do you? What I, thought, else? I thought you guys just shut up about that. Yeah. What, what do you? What else are they going to say about Vimp? That like they found the last hungover person under the bridge at the. We're going to tell you. We're going to tell you about Vimp 2014. Mm. 2014. That is yes, the sir. year we are in now. 2014. Can you imagine that? It is 2014. Anyway, yes. Vimp 2014, October 18th. That's all you need to know. That's all you're going to find out. That's all we have to tell you. But it is incredibly important. So save the date. That's all. That's it. That's all we had to say. Fim 2014, October 18th. Save the date. Yes, do it. I, I heard from a lot of people. You know, there were a lot of people that were there. They were like, this is incredible. I, this is the best weekend of my life. You know, I love those people. 
But there are also a lot of people that said, wow, I, you know, I'm coming the next week. Uh, you know, I wish I could be there. Yeah, the, you, those people, you missed out. This is your chance to fix this. Yep. This is your last chance. Well, maybe not, but this is a, an important chance to fix this problem. So, you know, October why, 18th. Why can't you move it to September? Because we can't. So there, that's that. <laughs> You've got plenty of time to change your other plans. Yeah. So you're going to be there October 18th. Your trip with the boys, bring them along. We like boys. You know, your trip with the girls, bring them too. We like them even more. Bring everybody. <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be be fantastic, and we have a lot of details yet to announce. But uh, the most important thing when it comes to travel planning is the date. So October eighteenth, you have a date. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be fantastic, and a lot more details forthcoming. And we, of course, we realize that people want to know sooner rather than later. So we'll we'll be announcing things as soon as we can and yep. uh so there you go that's all we have to say at the moment but uh that's the important stuff all right vimf 2014 october 18th this will be the fourth one dude wow. i know i know that means there's there's going to be more vimps than podcast paloozas yeah that's wow. true that's true that's a milestone you know it's going to be great i think uh Every time around, I think, especially if you ask folks that have been to more than one, I think, I hope, they would say that we get better every year. Because um, we definitely try to. We always, uh, you know, our, our ambition is sky high. We want to make sure, we, you know, not to get too weird and sentimental, for, but for a minute, um, you know, those of us that are involved in organizing this stuff, we, I, we really feel a real responsibility to make it fantastic because people come from all over the place and they spend their hard-earned vacation days and they spend a lot of money to fly across the country. I mean, that, this is no small thing, at least the way that we see it. It's really – we feel a lot of responsibility to make it fantastic. Yep. And we work really hard. And, you know, for those folks, uh, we – we really do try hard, and you know, may, <laughs> may, maybe uh, we don't always live up to every aspect of that, but we really do try. We we definitely uh, want to make it fantastic. We know how hard it is for everybody to get there, and it's not an easy thing, and it does cost money, and you know, money can always be spent on other things. We want to make it great, and uh, we want to make it better than last year. So that's our goal. Just like Avis rent a car, we try harder. We we do, and I. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm any way like Avis Rent-A-Car, but thank you, Chuck. I've got bucket seats. <laughs> we definitely, uh, we definitely want to make it great, and that's our goal. So we're looking forward to another great year. Here we go, rock and roll. Be there, mm-hmm. or you're missing out. All right. Next up, the trippies. So we're going to start with the trippies. We have an interesting show today because uh, the trippies were just announced uh, recently. Um, but then we also have a lot of data, so this is going to be an interesting show where we uh, start off with, uh, which, which is, you know, in some ways a bunch of data, you know, the trippies results. We're not actually, I don't think we're going to delve deeply into the results themselves so much as overall trends and some of the other stuff. But, um, but then we've got a lot of numbers. You know, Dave uh, went uh, report crazy this week, and... Um, There's a ton of new data for Nevada and New Jersey that I want to talk about. So there's a lot of stuff. Plus, the link is open since the last time we talked, and uh, and you know there's 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 a bunch of stuff. Plus, whatever we think is going to happen in 2014. But I want to start with 
the trippies. So the trippies, you guys, uh, Chuck uh, et al. had your webcast this past Saturday. Yes, sir. Which was announcing the winners of your... So I, I get your numbering, I think, a little bit mixed up. Um, the the voting was held in December of 2013, but is that the 2014 trippies? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, we switched it. We used to do it the year after, but then we would announce it in the January, and we call it the number of the year before, and it seemed like it was dated already. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I hear you. I just want to make yeah. sure I get the nomenclature correct. Yeah. Um, so given uh, given the discussion around this topic already on certain interweb uh, forums and whatnot, I would like to say a few things up top. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't cleared these comments with my co-hosts, and especially since one of, one of my co-hosts is the proprietor of, of uh, these awards. I, I definitely – I'm not speaking for anybody but myself right now. But uh, I want to say, first off, thank you to all of, all of you people out in inter- internet land that maybe voted for this podcast or voted for one of the projects that uh, any of us created or contributed to. We – contribute we appreciate that incre- i mean that's just incredible you know and it's such a cliche to say it's in- just great to be nominated but you, you know it really is it really is true if you've been in this circumstance you know what that's like it's fantastic to be recognized for work that you do whether you win an award or whether or whether you don't i mean it's it's great so th- first off thank you mm-hmm. um and uh so but <laughs> here it Uh-oh. comes here it comes right <laughs> so um I, I I guess I want to say a few things. Um, yes, I uh, actually both Dave and I did lose to other people in these wars, but I don't think any of any of this commentary comes from any bitterness. I and mean, then I haven't talked to Dave about this, but I know it's true for myself. And I knowing Dave the way that I do, I think I could speak for him uh, well, reasonably well on this topic. Uh, we are are not bitter. We're very ha- happy to be recognized. <laughs> I, I know. I know. It sounds, I know I know it sounds funny, but I really mean that. Like, I, I, I have no bitterness in my heart at all as, as a loser uh, this time around. Um, I, uh, personally, speaking personally, I have been recognized for certain projects in the past, and it's been really humbling, and that's fantastic. Uh, but I definitely respect the, uh, the way that people voted. So I don't, I don't want any of this to sound like it's tinged by um, any kind of personal bitterness, because it... I know it may be hard to believe, but it really it really is not. Um, and I'm definitely not trying to say that people should vote or shouldn't vote a certain way, right? Um, these are, you know, and, and conspiracy theories aside, right? Some people may think, like, in, in this case especially, a lot of votes went a certain way. Um, but, uh, you know, I... I I know Chuck, I think, almost as well as anybody that would be listening to this show, and I can tell you unequivocally that he's a straight shooter and is not um, influencing things one way or another. And for those of you out there that think that uh, there's some kind of malfeasance going on, you were... Who said this? Did somebody say there was malfeasance? Well, no, no, I haven't heard... uh, okay. I haven't heard a straight-up accusation, but I think there's... People are suspicious about certain... Uh, results. Okay. Well, let's just just say it. What? 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 No, no. I'm going to get to it. I, I don't. I'm okay. not trying to. I'm not right. trying to beat around the bush here. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying. Like there, there, there's no bullshit here. Like it. it 
you know, you can vote however you want. Things worked out the way that they did. It wasn't because of any kind of invisible hand that moved things one way or the other. Mm. Um, it just things were the way they were, for better or worse. Like, you know, that's the fucking way things went. Sorry, people of internet crazy land. It just didn't work out, you know. So anyway, uh, you can vote however you want. There's no conspiracy, anything. So, sorry, to cut through all this, um, a lot of the – I think there's a couple of interesting trends here. Um, so if I'm looking at sort of the general internet, maybe semi – this may be overstating it, but discontent. I mean that might be way too, way too overstating it. But, you know, some people are saying, look, the folks at the D – Look, Derek Stevens hosted our thing. He's a fucking awesome dude. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it that way. He is incredible. <laughs> He's great. Um, and he won a ton of awards in this thing from the readers, right? They voted. Uh, and yes, a lot of the, some of those, not, maybe not a lot, but some of those awards, I did not vote the same way. You know, yep. I think the dude's awesome, but like, I don't think he has the best rooms in Las Vegas. I think he's an incredible guy, but like, I'm sorry, your hotel room can't compete with uh, Steve Wynn who can spend a million dollars to renovate a single hotel room. Uh, you know, that's just simple economics. Uh, and I, you know what? The thing is, I don't, if you sat Derek Stevens down, he would not argue with you. He no. would say, yeah, you know, we do a great job here. We're providing a great value for our customers. Uh, but it's just an entirely different scale, which is completely normal, same thing to say. Um, so I think it's a very interesting uh you know, it's a sort of a very interesting uh, situation where um, we had a lot of votes go a certain way. And I'm actually, I, you know, Chuck, I'm very curious to see. How, and I realize you're sort of in a sort of an interesting territory here, and I don't want to put you on the spot too much. But I'm very interest, curious to see. You know, a lot of awards um, for sort of best overall went to the D, and I, the folks on Five Hundred talked about this on their show. Um, and I think uh, to sort of paraphrase and apologies to Tim and Michelle for this. They, should, they speak for themselves and you can listen to their, uh, their show to hear their opinions. But, um, you know, I, basically I think they basically said, look, uh, especially folks like Derek have captured this idea of personal service. Like the, the owner is there in the hotel. You really can relate to them. And we've talked about this on the show in the past before the trippies even, you know, it, before any of the votes were cast. Um, and it seems to have really resonated with people. Uh, but I'm curious what you think, Chuck. I mean, you tabulated these votes. You saw these results before anybody did. So yep. as you were pulling this together, like, what was your thought? I mean, they won a lot of awards. And, and I, they won awards that I personally – I'm not going to say that they didn't deserve because the, the people's vote is the people's vote. Like, they yep. get what they get. Um, yep. But uh, I may have voted differently in certain categories, even though I, I think they're – that people at D are fucking awesome. So anyway, what I, w- I really want to hear your thoughts on this. Okay, great. Cool. I think that's a really great question, Hunter. And I learned how to say that from the last two podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Without me. Uh, so, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, that's a really great question, and, and I've spent some time thinking about this. <laughs> you know, every time something new and shiny comes out, in the trippies, this is the ninth year we've done this. Yeah. Uh, whatever the new and shiny is, usually in that year that it comes out or the year after, uh, it tends to dominate pretty well in the awards. Uh, one exception is Aria kind of flopped. 
Right, but, but you saw that with Cosmo, right? I mean, it was a huge halo. Yeah, remember Cosmo was winning everything, you know, yeah. won best social media, even after it was clear, they just kind of outsourced it, and it was, yeah. um, you know, just sending out links oh. to whatever. Yeah, well, they... You know, uh, like, here's a, here's a list of uh, Malaysian doulas or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so this, you know, started, of course, with... Uh, with Win, I think that was probably around the first time we did this it was 2005. So we saw it in Win, and then Win the next year, and Win and Bellagio were kind of fighting it out generally. And then it came with Encore, and Encore dominated everything for a year, two years actually. They kind of trounced Aria when that opened, and then Cosmopolitan came and has dominated for a couple of years, and now the D is captured people's imagination and uh, they won a, lot, a ton of awards. You yeah. know, this is this is public voting. Um, the term the readers of VegasTripping.com is possibly a little too loose. You know, we allow guests to vote. So that means people who, let's say they are not necessarily active on our site, but they pop in regularly but don't have an account. Uh, people who are you know, listening to various uh, podcasts in our network or other situations where people can come in and vote. So it's not an exclusive small group of people. It's open to the public, but you have to provide some degree of validation with that. Uh, Instead of making completely open where it doesn't require anything and people can just uh, vote, 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 doesn't matter. We do put some measures in which block people from voting multiple times. So generally you can't unless you go through a whole, you go through a whole bunch of hoops. Um, and, I, and I strongly feel that the, uh, the trippies need to be taken in their entirety, not just as the reader's choice as the only right, right. selector. Right. Because mm-hmm. the, the editor's choice, you know, we, even though we goofed around talking about it at the end of the podcast or the end of the webcast the other day, uh, we actually made a selection live of the best in show. Right. Uh, the editors, we decided that right there on the spot. And you got to watch us have the discussion uh, of how how we go through this. Now, that, was, of course, was in a drunken stupor after five <laughs> hours of drinking McAllen <laughs> and fireball shots. So it was a little <laughs> ridiculous. But, but we take great care when we do these discussions. Uh, we listen to everybody's... Uh, everybody's point of view. We make arguments. We fight. It's almost come to blows a couple of times, particularly the laundry room. <laughs> Got into a big fight between a few people. And, you know, I, as the boss, uh, try and gain a consensus. You know, we make teams. We talk about it. People change their minds. But occasionally, you know, I do make an executive decision. Yeah, well, that's that's I, I the way it like should go, right? I'm afforded that right. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because I'm the boss. Yeah, absolutely. So I think folks need to realize that the reader's choice is the reader's choice. That's really a measure of trends. The editor's choice is kind of like the expert's view. Right. Uh, so, so you get a more nuanced understanding uh, over, over really what the real answer may or may not be from five people who fully, five or six people who study this stuff. Plus, there's also a group of people who aren't necessarily editors that I discuss various topics with, like poker and a couple other things that I'm not as experienced in. So, it's really a whole thing. Yes, the D slaughtered folks. It makes perfect sense. He's captured the the imagination of folks. He's changed the service model. They built a brand new hotel. Add on top of the fact that he's making specific efforts to court us 
if you will, right. by hosting our events, participating on our podcasts, and being a, a, a friend to the community, it makes perfect sense why that would happen. So, so I'm not surprised at all. I, I, uh, I have a question for you. Um, we we laugh, you know, the Las Vegas Review, Review Journal, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. the Las Vegas Review Journal has their awards. And, you know, of, often Olive Garden ends up as like the best Italian restaurant in Las Vegas, which we laugh at, yeah. right? Because it's ridiculous, really. Yeah. So uh, how, as you, as a sort of awards proprietor, how does that, do you worry about being sucked into that kind of a vortex where it's sort of, the mentality of a crowd is so off of what seems correct. I mean, does that does that bother you at all? You know, it never really did bother me. But with the total route this time, after looking at, at all of these, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. However... You know, the one that everybody keeps bringing up, uh, somebody posted it on Twitter earlier, and you mentioned it three times, and other people have mentioned it, is the best rooms Hmm. one. And when we were doing our initial discussion with the editors, I said the D should get the best rooms because of that, the D suite, the 17th floor D suite, I think is a tremendous, tremendous room, and the value is thoroughly incredible. And uh, Miss Nomer... Uh, he actually was the guy who brought it up. He said the D suite. So two of us went for that right there, you know, but then the other guys, after much discussion, Mike and John and Eric, uh, made a very convincing argument that even after all this time, the encore rooms are fantastic. So I could see for sure. And we also have a D suite review on the front page of our site. Right. So, yep. It could not necessarily be, you know, we don't give the granularity of people voting for a specific room type right, right, as right. well. It's mm-hmm. a big category there. So this is really a discussion thing. This is something to generate a lot of discussion. We're not trying to distill the exact stuff. That's what the editor's choices are for. So as I said before, really it needs to be taken in as a whole. I think that's an excellent point. Um, especially when you talk about uh, the different room types available in a certain hotel. Uh, you know, people are like, well, I stayed in the XYZ room at that hotel and it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, uh, you know, a combination of uh, melding all of these things together. And yeah. that's why I think you're right that the sort of discussion component is probably the most interesting thing. Well, uh, you know, I'll get down to the specifics too. Yeah. You know, I stayed at the D the weekend of Vimp also. And I was in a standard room. Yeah. And I walked in, I checked in, I opened the door, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this room stinks. It smelled like serious bad cigarettes, insanely bad. And I could hear people through the walls, and the, there's a little clean. You know, the room looked fine. The design was fine. The bathroom was kind of the same old deal, but it was a little freshened up here and there. But I thought the hallways were great and the other stuff. So even though that... My wife had to go by Glade, the room smelled so bad, right? She went beelining right to the CVS or the Walgreens down the street there and came back with a thing of Glade. So, uh, you know, even with that, of not really particularly liking the basic rooms, you know, it was serviceable, but, you know, HVAC issues. But even with that, I still thought that the D-suite needed to be commended, 
Yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't win, of course, the argument with all the rest of the guys. But here's my thought process of, of, as an editor. So I could see why some people would say, no way. But other people would say, yes. So there's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of leeway in here for reasons why people vote yes and no about stuff. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. And especially when you talk about, you know, people complain about the readers' votes. And you know, look, there is a halo effect, right? I mean, you look at somebody as popular as, and I'm not going to pick on my good friend Tim, but, you know, him and his uh, dear wife and co-host Michelle, they are incredibly popular for good reason. They have built up an incredible fan base. Very that, dedicated. Yeah, very dedicated that, uh, you know, are, and I, I don't want to make it sound that they're like the mindless horde, but they, you know, what, their opinions carry a lot of weight with the people that listen to their show and that love yeah. their show, and for a good reason. Yeah. And so it's not surprising. Look, you look, you see this in political elections. People go like, I'm going to vote for every Democrat because I believe in what they say. And they don't even know these people's names. And they're just like, D, 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 D. And they vote all the way down the, they vote all the, way down the line. And yeah. so, you know, that's just the way it goes. So to be upset about uh, the readers' votes, um, unless you think there's some kind of mischief going on, which I, you know, I am not involved in this process, but I know... Uh, I think I feel like I know Chuck as well as anybody. I can guarantee you there's no mischief involved. He doesn't fucking tell me what's going on. So I, I guarantee you that uh, there, just, there's no sketchiness going on. Just as surprised as everybody else. When the day comes that, that uh, you know, I have to start adding all this stuff, I run some scripts, and it all spits out, and I look at it, I'm like, well, holy shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, just as surprised and shocked. And, of course, I see stuff that won or didn't win, and I'm like, oh, right, really? Right, right, right. Why, really? You picked that one? Why? I don't get it. So, you know, you can count me in the boat also of this stuff. Just because we post it and we put it out there doesn't mean that I necessarily have a uh, – that I, well, I definitely don't have a horse in the game. It doesn't matter. I get my choice to choose the editors. Right. Right, right. And, you know, people have asked me, like, about the app thing. Like, you know, I I don't really know what to say. I, in some ways, I'm not surprised. Uh, I don't – I actually haven't used the uh, – the, the my in case those folks that don't realize, uh, that don't know what I'm talking about, the, the My Vegas app won uh, the Best App Award. I, I actually haven't used their mobile app. I know that they have a huge audience, right? I mean, their Facebook stuff is super popular. We had Andrew on the show – um, and they have you know millions of people using it. So I guess in retrospect, it's really not that big of a surprise. They have a lot of really dedicated folks using it, yeah. and I, so I can't say if it's good or bad. But uh, it's a very popular service. Yeah. Um, I uh, you know good for them. You know mm-hmm. I hope they keep up the great work. I, I, I and I, honestly, this might sound really sort of uh, like a stupid response, but. I, I really like being the underdog. I'd, I I love having something to work hard to try and unseat the uh, the monolith. So that to me, that's inspiring. I'm all that's I'm the all, best position to be in. I'm all good with that. So I congratulate them, and uh, I'm you know happy for their success. Yeah. But if I can if I can uh, break in here for a second, no, you may not. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, here here's the thing. You know, you, I find this a lot in a, in a lot of fandoms out there. So. I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. They had the 50th anniversary. Uh, they had a Christmas special where the uh, 11th Doctor regenerated on the 12th Doctor. And watch it. I thought it was just phenomenal. You know, very emotional. Just fucking incredible television. Uh, go online, look at 
some of the the message boards, and people are just ripping it apart. And you know, I think we kind of forget, we lose that majesty and wonder of being surrounded by people who are passionate about the same stuff that we're passionate about, and just how much of a gift that is. And it's so awesome just to be part of something where everybody cares about Vegas so much. I mean, to, and to me, that's what it all, always comes down to. And you kind of, you know, you need those moments where you see something really special to kind of bring that all back. And I think, I don't know, um, not to turn this into uh, the Doctor Who gang or something, but it kind of it kind of bothered me that clearly the people in the creative team put a lot of thought into this, you know, try to do what they did, a really great show. I think they delivered. But other people, because it wasn't the show that they wanted, were just merciless and doing yeah. personal attacks against the show creators. And like, and my position is, as far as I'm concerned, anybody who has anything to do with that show is on my list of people who never has to pay for a drink as long as I'm around. Mm. Because right. they brought back the show that I loved so much as a kid, and yep. they brought it back, and now my kids can say, it's like, you know, and even if I don't agree with every creative decision they make, I still got to respect that, you know, because they're, yeah. they're doing something incredible. So th- that's how I feel about it. You know, you're not always going to agree with everything that everybody else says, and some people are always going to feel that they're not getting, right. you know, their voice isn't heard as much as it should be, but I think we've just got to enjoy what we, you know, the fact that we have this community here, and it, it's so great. I agree, Chuck. As long as you don't go George Lucas on us, we're all good. <laughs> so no selling out to Disney. <laughs> well, you can sell to Disney, but no Jar Jar. Oh, I do. I did with my friend who who I used to be really into to, to Star Wars with back when we were you know back when that was first out. I, he he told me he actually physically cried when he saw the Phantom Menace. It was, it was so bad, and there was like twenty years of anticipation. But I believe me, again, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, but it, the, the thing that bothers me is that people take this so personally and just work up this animosity towards people, which I, I honestly, I mean, there's people who actually want to do me harm who I don't feel that that much hate towards. Right. So no, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know why people get so worked up about it. It's, I, it, you know, kind of like the Mystery Science Theater 3000, you know, repeat to yourself, yeah. it's just a show I should really just relax. I, lo- I love the passion. Um, yeah. I don't love the animosity. You know, it's not. Yes, maybe you had a bad meal at the restaurant that won best X Y Z. Maybe you had a bad stay at the hotel that won best X Y Z. Maybe you had a great stay at the hotel that won worst X Y Z. Um, you know, there's always outliers for everything. Uh, but uh, the people vote the way they vote, and the editors vote based on their experience. And if you want to be uh, a person, you sway more people to your opinion. And if you want to be an editor, you know. You know, call Chuck and say, "I want you know, I I'm worthy of uh, getting onto your editorial staff." I mean, that that's the way you influence these things. I mean, that's the way it goes. And you know, you also can't resent people because they're successful. You know, it's people say, "Well, we want you know, we were sick of the the giant corporations. We want this." So somebody delivers something that's the opposite of that, and they're very successful at it, and they win a lot of awards. Right. You know, then you can't criticize them for winning a lot of awards. That's you know, to me, that's the whole point of it. Is like this shows that yeah, right. if you do this well, you're going to be very popular with these people because you're doing what they want. So right. that, that to yeah, to me, it's that. And you know, also again, kind of reserve your animosity for people who really deserve it, not for the people who are trying to run a place where, you know, you can have a good time. Yeah, no, I mean, we see this all across, right? People have to tear down a winner. We see it this happens, across all industry. It happens every year. 
every year the trippies come out, you know, I'm, I'm so used to it that I'm not even surprised by it. <laughs> right, so right, right. right when the trippies come out, like the trolls come out and the haters come out and all this other shit. So I'm, I kind of just, uh, usually after this is over, I go sit in the backyard and stare at the sky for a week. <laughs> No, and I think that's completely right. I think this year was, I mean, maybe it, maybe I don't have a, the proper historical context, but it, it seemed like a very significant trend towards the D specifically. Um, but, uh, you know, such is the way of the world. Yeah, yeah I mean, when you, when you host an event and bend over backwards to cater to the people there, right. give them a great experience, give them a great value, it's obviously they're going to, come away with that. So I think that's what it's all about. And, yeah. you know, you can't... A, a survey yeah. of, a, of a 100 iPhone users well, it's found like that they, some... 85% of them really enjoyed it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know one major casino company that's ta- that touts that they're, well, you know, according to our surveys, people prefer our rewards program. You know, well, who's your sample group? Well, it's people who are signed up for our rewards program. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they're, you know, they're like MBAs peddling that. Right. You know, so you're no matter unless somebody wants to commission a study where you're going to do a random intercept study, um, which is going to cost tens of thousands of dollars right. to try to figure this stuff out objectively. Yeah, this is the best we're going to do. <laughs> yes. No, I I think it, that's absolutely true. So, yep. I and thank you, Chuck, for doing the trippies. We um, we know how much work it is. I know uh, you spend a ton of time doing it. So, uh, thank you. You're welcome. I mean, that's awesome, too. It's, it's obviously a labor of love. There's, so, yeah. I mean, great job, Chuck. Thanks. All right. Enough about complaining about the trippies. We're not going to talk about that again. But we are going to talk about numbers. We got lots of numbers. And, Dave, you know, you posted, like, a thousand little PDFs over the past week. I've, I think I've read them all. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I, I went through and tried to... Tried to grok all of them, and I have pulled out a couple of specific things here and there. But um, I guess you know, let's let's just go geographically. Um, let's start with Nevada. Um, so, I, the the one of the most interesting stats that I saw in your research from or from your analysis uh, uh, recently was just how far the gaming percentage has gotten down to the overall mix of. Of uh, of how I mean it was thirty six percent on the strip. I mean, yeah, um, I, re- I remember the... when Bellagio opened, it was like they were touting fifty fifty as a big deal. I mean thirty six percent in ninety nine. It was fifty fifty. The cool thing that you can do with the gaming abstracts is you can break it down to the bigger strip casinos and the smaller strip casinos. So you think the smaller strip basically it's it's not on size; it's on how much money they make from uh, gaming versus non gaming. So the bigger ones. Obviously, places like Win On call the quote unquote smaller ones, probably Riviera's, um, Circus Circus, other places like that. The fascinating thing to me was that, and let me make sure I have this. So, in the big strip casinos, it's about 37% they get from gaming. That's actually up a little bit. It was about 36 point something. Now it's 36 point something that's a little bit close to 37. The really interesting thing to me was that the small strip casinos, which you would think, well, this is a grind joint, it's going to be, you know, more the gaming centric. Yeah, I'm right. desperately trying to find this. That's downtown. Okay, I've got all these open in my browser. That yeah, is Departmental like Revenue. Thirty-five tabs open. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, the smaller strip casinos, which make less revenue, it's about thirty-eight percent. 
And rooms are actually a more important part of the revenue mix. So it's that to me, that's very interesting. You know, even though the slot and pit dichotomy is way off, about 70% of the smaller casinos revenue, casino revenue comes from slots. It's interesting that even there, rooms are becoming more of a profit center. And that that tells me this is basically why you see Link happening. I mean, you no, can I see know. it in these that numbers. Was, that was literally yeah. my next bullet point was yeah. downtown room, their room profit is increasing. Like it, that, yeah. It's not just a strip thing. I mean, the strip, yes, has yeah. really led the trend, but it's not just a strip thing. It's happening all over. And it's you know it's not just that it's that the the food is becoming more important and the beverage too. It was interesting to me that you would think with all of the of the nightclubs and stuff like that. So yeah, the the top places that are making more than seventy two million a year in gaming, you know that nightclubs are going to blow it away because you've got Marquee, you've got all these other great ones. Although I don't know what Cosmo makes, so if they're below seventy two million, that's going to skew it. Right. Um, in fact. The smaller places had a bigger, bigger percentage coming from revenue, from beverage, I mean. So it's really interesting to me that these trends, which you would think, well, it's just the nightclubs, it's just the Hakkasan, the access, it's happening across the board. It's happening yeah. across the board. No, these seems like they're, they're, they're literally trends that are uh, coming across the entire market, not just specific entrants. Yeah, so, so that's really interesting. The other fun thing you can do is look for comps and where the com- you know um, the comps is a percentage of casino revenue, which isn't going to help you that much. But it's interesting to me because on this, the big casinos in the Strip, it's about 31% of their revenues go back out in comps. And the smaller casinos, which you would think, well, they'll be more, you know, they'll be more uh, looser, more, well, they'll be looser, not more looser. It's going <laughs> to sense it's only 19 percent so i dave, guess dave went to an ivy league school he knows more looser better than anybody well we're more lucrative or less <laughs> um but it, that that just fascinates me the way you can see how these things break down so even though they've got less revenue total they don't have the big high rollers clearly to play in that market and get those high rollers, they're comping a lot of money to get them because the comp percentage goes up. So there's just a ton of really cool things you can learn by kind of looking at these numbers. And I know because I've spent all week just breaking them down every which but way. I think that, that, that goes directly into my next question, which is looking at bad debt, right? It looks like in 2013 we saw an uptick. It went up a little bit, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, had, given what we know about the economy and um, – does that make sense? There's a couple of unknowns here. And the big unknown is, well, how many loans did they give? If you want to use what the accepted industry measure is, which is about 15% of all the bets are done on credit, I broke it down and the total, you know, the, the number that I give in here is bad debt as a percentage of casino revenue. Right. When you look at it as a total of the amount that's, you know, wagered and but whatever, it ends up being incredibly small and I well, you know the big project I love to do is to compare it to credit card companies and banks because I suspect it's smaller I don't remember the exact number but I remember when I ran these numbers it was really small so generally they do a good job as they grant more credit this goes up this percentage goes understandably. up understandably so yeah and it's interesting that most of the bad debts are on the strip when you get outside the strip it drops precipitously. Yeah. So, well, you know, you'd sort of downtown expect that, right? Zero. Right. In Laughlin, it was actually, they had a negative huh. 
bad. So I don't know whether that was, well, we didn't think this guy was going to pay, but now he paid. So it's, I don't know how you have a negative bad debt number. Right. Because either you don't have any bad debts or you do. Well, I assume yeah, that they, they reported bad debt in a previous period and then... Yeah, it got wiped out. Right. That's, that's kind of, I mean, that, that's got to be a happy day for the accountants there. Yeah, so, absolutely. Stuff, stuff. But yeah, man, this is just really interesting stuff. And so the, really glad we have it. Oh, I agree. But the other thing I think was interesting in your research was the sort of growth of liabilities above growth of revenue. Which, yeah. you look historical, I mean, this is a story that we've talked about in sort of different terms uh, over a long period of time, but the numbers really don't lie. Yeah, and this is something we've seen really since 1999. So around the time that the you know that last big spurt of 90s casinos opened, casinos took on a lot of debt. They also started doing more acquisitions. And this really puts them into more of a... People decry the fact that, well, there's, they're not gamblers. It's all the suits. These people really are gamblers. And they're gambling in really big with really big numbers, you know. So basically what they've done, we've seen the total long-term debt rise and interest expenses have fallen as companies have pushed back their maturities, refinanced their debt. Basically, they're betting that things are going to improve and they'll be able to pay off those loans when they come due. Uh, so that's that's where the industry is now. Right. And uh, it's, it's all a gamble, of course. It, no, it's interesting. I mean, people think of gamblers in sort of the traditional Las Vegas sense, um, but these guys are more gamblers in the, the sort of Wall Street sense of the word. I'll never forget something that Steve Wynn said, um, to be as big of a name dropper as Steve Wynn when he talks. Who? <laughs> Yeah, it was. I remember it was the 2001 World Gaming Expo, where he came out wearing. It was right after the anthrax scare. He came out wearing a, yeah. a uh, surgical mask and freaked a lot of people out. And he went on to give the most lucid account of gaming history I think I've ever heard. And he said, you know, what people don't appreciate is that every is that during the history of the strip, on every day, 50 percent of the casinos were on the verge of going bankrupt. Right, and if there's anybody who would know that, it'll be him. And right. he, you know, made a lot of these points that yeah, it's not that easy a business to succeed in, and there's a lot of there's a lot of gambling going on. So, it is a, it's it shows you, and th- this is kind of the point I'm making in a future uh, Vegas Seven piece I'm, I'm working on. It's not it's a, it's a business that's very misunderstood. People think, well, they have a casino, they're just printing money because right. the hustle wins. Well, you know, it's not that easy. Right. And when you're you know we're giving back 31 percent of your revenues as comps and another. You know, twenty percent is payroll and whatever. It, it's it's not that easy. No, if you don't manage it right, you can easily go out of business. Especially if you don't have enough capital to cover the swing. I mean, it's a it's a business of seasons, right? You know, things go well, things go badly. You have to be able to cover all that stuff. And especially when you get into the places that are doing the more are catering more to the high end, there's a ton of volatility. Yeah, because absolutely. You know, everybody knows the stories about Kerry Packer and and those big swings. But you know, when you're having somebody come in and they're gambling, you know, yeah, millions of dollars in a, in a weekend, you know, that can come back to hurt you. And you've right. got to you've got to factor that in. So there's a lot of risk in this business. There's no, a I, lot of risk. You know, we're going to talk about uh, Massachusetts in in a minute, but you know. He, it's funny when reference Watanabe in his suitability here in Massachusetts, he didn't refer to him by name, but it was clear who he was talking about um, in the sense of a, a high roller that you know was willing to lose millions of dollars enough to the point where he ended up on 
people's radar like Steve Wynn or, uh, you know, the folks at Caesars as well. So, very, you know, it is highly volatile uh, when you're talking about the high end of the business. Uh, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I love, uh, I love getting all this data like you posted, like that you do at the Center for Gaming Research because yeah. it really puts it into really stark contrast. You can see it. Uh, much more clearly than uh, in a lot of other uh, a lot of other venues. So thanks for doing that. Thanks, thanks. Um, so not only did you crunch some Nevada numbers, but there was also some numbers from New Jersey. Which you yeah. know, if I'm gonna you know be you know, John Stewart talks about his native New Jersey. You know, your native New Jersey. He I kinda, certainly am. He sounds sad a lot of the time, and it's kind of a sad story. These numbers from New Jersey are pretty not so good. They're not good. And again, this kind of shows when people say, well, Nevada hasn't recovered from the recession. It's like, well, yeah, that's true. It's a U-shaped recovery where it's taking them a while. You know, New Jersey is still dropping. You know, they, let's see, December was down about 8%. The entire year was down by about 6%. Yeah. So basically, they hit their high in 2006 at 5.1 billion, and they are down to... 2.87 billion, so less than 2.9 billion. Yeah. So they've dropped by 45%. You know, imagine if that had ha- if that had happened in Las Vegas, it would be a disaster. No, it'd be the end and, of the world. Yeah. So this is why you've got casinos closing. You know, Atlantic Club, which I, if I have a moment, I could say a word for Atlantic Club. That'd be great. Um, yeah. Open is Golden Nugget. Later became Bally's Grand. This is actually the first casino that I worked in when it was Bally's Grand. So um, the pretty much the first place I went through orientation and all, all that other fun stuff. And it's just heartbreaking to see it close because I know when I was growing up there, you just thought, well, these places are opening. They're going to revitalize the economy and they're never going to close and they're always going to be there. And I, you know, my heart's really breaking for the employees there. It's just yeah. a ter- terrible thing. And that, you know, this is what happens when things go badly. So it's not the kind, it's not definitely not a license to print money. <laughs> No, you know, I, I loved looking at your Atlantic City numbers, not because they, I mean, they were overall pretty depressing, but there's yeah. actually some really interesting nuggets in there. Uh, sorry for the uh, terrible yeah. pun, pun, pun there. Uh, but you look at Revel, right? Revel has been really doing, we, we think of them as doing poorly, but their overall change percentage is, is uh, you know, their it seems like they're doing better and better, oh, but their total win is still trailing they were clearly built to uh, compete with Borgata, and they're nowhere close in terms of the total yeah. win numbers, right? But you know, I mean, they're, they're yeah. up. Their percentages are way up, but they are, in terms of their actual total win, nowhere near the, the, the thing that they're chasing. The disturbing thing to me about Atlantic City is that the two newest properties, Golden Nugget and Revel, have the least revenue. Yeah, are doing the worst. Well, right. besides Trump Plaza, where it seems like the owners have just given up. You know that thing they're making. What do they make? They made seventy-four million dollars in the whole yeah, month. Right. The average for casinos yeah. is about two hundred million. Right. Uh, that month. Uh, so, or for the for the, for the year, year. I'm right. sorry. The they made seventy-four million for the year. Right. My mistake. Yeah. Uh, the average was about two hundred and forty million. So they are just performing so far below the proper the below the the median it's it's incredible um it's interesting though that the two casinos that did the worst after them in a lot of ways were revel and um 
gold nugget. So that's that's kind of disturbing because in yeah. Las Vegas, it's the newer places that get the bump. Right. It just seems like it's not a market that's absorbing a lot of this. You just look at these numbers, though, right? Um, total win for Borgata for the year was six hundred sixteen million in, or six hundred seventeen million, uh, yeah. which is up about two percent, give or t- one and a half percent. You know, uh, which you know that seems those are big numbers. Revel uh, was up. Thirty-eight point six percent, which sounds great, but they're still at one hundred and fifty-five million. So they're so far behind. I mean, yeah. they were they were built to compete, right? They were built to be yeah. a Borgata competitor. They are so far behind. Where so that's really be. weird. So uh, you know, imagine that Cosmopolitan opens and they do terribly, but you know, let's say Bellagio still does great, or you know, Encore opens and does terribly. Um, but Venetian is still doing great. I think, has, like, I think it would be more like share. I think it would be more like Win opens and does terribly, and Bellagio is still doing great. Right? Yeah, that, I mean that that's what like it's like. Yeah. Comparison in terms yeah. of how they're built to how they're built to compete. Because Borgata is an incredible property. I mean, it's just it's clearly absolutely an incredible property. You know, Revel's a great property too. Um, they don't have the customer list, but you know, you wouldn't. You know, you would think they'd be able to compete a little bit better. It's it's. Very interesting how those properties break down. You know, you've got Harris is also really strong. And Harris Atlantic City to me is really a step above what most people would think of as the usual Harris product. It's a great resort. And, you know, Caesars is also pretty, is the other one. So those are the top three. It's pretty much those three and then everybody else. And then there's a middle pack and then you've got the stragglers at the bottom with, you know, Trump yeah. Plaza and Revel and Golden Nugget and Atlantic Club, it's which just, is now closed. It's just amazing, though, to see how how much uh, Borgata dominates that market. I mean, it dominates. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's defies every principle that Las Vegas would tell you, where it's like, well, hey, Mirage is successful, so let's open up three more places, and there will be even more successful, and let's open up five more places after that, and that'll be more successful. You know, Atlantic City had Borgata, which was like their Mirage. Right. And, and you know, you had incremental improvements at a lot of the places, including Harrah's, um, Batage, Tropicana, but not, you didn't, you just don't have that demand because right. people aren't going there. No, it seems like the market's sort of tapped out and people are happy with the top of the do- top dog and they don't need a new one. Yeah, which is, which is really bad. And if, if Trump Plaza is the next one to close, that would be a real terrible thing because then as you're coming over your expressway, you've got this huge closed right. whole casino there. So no, I mean, uh, if, if there's sort of a domino effect of places that can't survive, that will be even worse for Atlantic City. It really would be. It really would be. So... Here's hoping that they let some new ownership come in there who want to invest money and let them invest their money because clearly it's it's time for that. But uh, b- before we leave uh, the fair Jersey Shore, um, Chris Christie land, um, love to talk about online, right? Because they have they, we yeah. have we have online numbers for Atlantic City, which is really interesting. It's great. Um, it's about four percent of the total gaming win. To me, that's the most interesting number. Um, people had originally, you know, there's all these projections all over the place. I never put a number to it, um, just because I don't like to do that, but I always said, well, I think it'll be small at first, and it'll increase. If you look at Great Britain, it's about 12% of their total revenue um, after about, that it, got that, it got that high after about five years, so I figured, well, if we see something similar in um, the U.S., in U.S. states, you know, that, that wouldn't surprise me. So the fact that after a month it's around 4% doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And I think it's something you should expect. And I've always said, you know, don't 
this, you know, this is going to be an incremental thing. It's not going to be huge. It's the way the business is heading. Don't expect this to save everything. It's like if somebody in 1996 said, "All right, we're going to we're going to tax online retailers, and that's going to change the world." Right. In 1996, it wouldn't. You know, they're doing it now, and it, it is going to have a big impact. But in 1996, it wouldn't. So it's going to take some time. It's really, you know, it's interesting. And some of the stuff that you've linked to in some of your blog posts. Um, just looking at some of the issues that they have, which are, when you think about them, not unexpected, right? I mean, the, some of the technology that they implement to try and make sure that only people inside New Jersey are betting, they use geolocation technology. This stuff isn't perfect. Like, it, no. it's, it's cutting out probably some people that are legitimately inside the borders of the state that are being improperly tagged. And apparently there's some issues with some of the banks that are not super excited about uh, taking these bets, not knowing exactly how the regulations are going to work, um, which is not unexpected, right? I mean, something that has been illegal that has now been legalized and some of the – maybe some of the, the federal guidelines are a little bit murky. The banks are slow to, uh, to adopt these. And so for people that want to play, it might not be as easy as depositing money from your XYZ bank account as you might think it would be. It is very difficult. You know, you figure from the point of view of the operators, they need to have, you know, having a false negative is bad because you get one of your customers upset at you. Right. Having a false positive is catastrophic. Right. Because then you have the Attorney General of New Jersey having, you know, state troopers trying to place bets and, hey, yeah, we placed a bet on a, on a New Jersey site. Right. And let's go down there and, you know, arrest the, the head of the casino and then file suit against the state of New Jersey for taking yeah, bets. Right. You can't, which you can't have that happen. Right. So they've got to, they've, they've got to have more false negatives than false positives. They can't have any false positives as far as they're concerned. Right. So it's a, again, it's a really difficult business. And I, I, I think we get so used to having everything delivered so seamlessly and, you know, no, I mean, as somebody that understands the technology behind this, it's incredibly imperfect. Um, and yeah. so if they're erring on the side of reliability, then they're cutting out, oh, there's a bunch of people in Pennsylvania that uh, we w- that we think might be in Pennsylvania. They're actually in New Jersey, but we're going to, pre- you know, we're, we're just not going to let them bet because we're not completely sure, right? Like, they're right yeah. in, that, in that sort of danger zone. We're going to err on the side of being cautious, and we're just not going to let them bet. And, you know, also, it's not like you have somebody sitting there watching, you know, looking, hey, well, here's the IP, here's the location, that looks good to me. Obviously, this is automated, so you're going to have problems, you know, which we've seen a little bit of this in Nevada, too. But it's it's not, yeah, it's just, it's not foolproof technology yet. I know we'd like to think it is, but I I don't think it is. It's still developing, and it's going to have to develop. Yeah, it's absolutely not foolproof. And it will, you know, of course, it will get better. But it's unsurprising to me, at least, that uh, especially when you talk about some of the repercussions that they have to face if they get it wrong, that they're more willing to cut out people that they're not 100% sure about, especially in densely packed. You're talking about you know, the Pennsylvania and Jersey border. I mean, it's super dense. You, you can't determine if some one guy is you know, in some New Jersey township and one guy's in some Pennsylvania township. You can't tell if you're right in that zone. So there's going to be a bunch of people that just are not, well, are going to be flagged as not eligible. And the problem is they're not, they can't, they simply can't get it wrong. Right. It's too, the licenses are too lucrative. They don't want to have to worry about blowing their license because they had the appearance of not caring about this. Right. So they've got to be very, very if, diligent. If you so live in Camden, I'm sorry, you can't bet. 
Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously they're going to refine this, but it's going to be again not not as easy as it seems. And people, yeah, yeah, right. That's that's what I think. Now the technology is very imperfect, but it is very interesting to start seeing some numbers come in from some of these things and to see how some of the brands impact uh, where people are playing. And it, you know, it's it's such a early stage market; it's hard to draw too many conclusions, but. Um, it, it is interesting, and I'm glad that uh, we're starting to see some numbers trickle in. Yeah. Um, all right, a couple more things I want to touch on before we go. Uh, there was a very interesting um, set of suitability hearings for Win um, in Massachusetts in December. Uh, they were eventually found suitable, uh, and we'll see if they end up winning that uh, opportunity. But I say interesting because they uh, executives from the company, including Steve Lynn and uh, several other high place executives, sat for a long uh, suitability hearing, which is available both in video form and as a transcript. Um, and it was long. I mean, to the point where I think at one point Steve Lynn fell asleep. Yes. Uh, but if you're interested in this kind of thing, it is fascinating because they uh, drill them on their compliance procedures and how things, especially how things work in Macau and in Nevada. But um, it, I, for me, at least, I learned more about how Macau junkets work from that suitability hearing than probably any other explanation I've ever heard. I mean, it was super in depth. They really yeah. explained how this stuff works. I feel like I completely get how these things are set up now, where before it was sort of a little bit vague, at least in my mind. Um, I thought it was super fascinating. And so for those folks out there that care about this kind of thing, I would totally recommend it. I'll put the link for the for this stuff in the show notes if you want to watch the whole thing. I don't know if you guys watched any part of this, but I, I just thought this was fascinating. It was like Kim Sinatra, who's their you know uh, head legal counsel, uh, Mr. Wynn, of course. Matt Maddox was there, and the, some of their chief compliance folks. Um, I, I just thought it was amazing. I mean, it was a, this super. At least for me, I'm the guy that reads books on casino accounting procedures, so maybe I'm an <laughs> outlier. But uh, I just thought this was fascinating. There's a uh, hundred page, the findings, two hundred pages maybe, the findings of the. Uh, Massachusetts Gaming Authority, which is pretty incredible too. It's all the stuff written out in, you know, it's like a, it's like a book. You know, yeah. it's really huge. It goes through all of the discussion, the history of gambling in Macau, whatnot. It's, it's quite fascinating read. Oh, I, I just thought it was amazing. I mean, they they break yeah. down everything from how their compliance systems works to how. You know, what happens when Junket Guy finds Unsuitable Guy B? Like, I, yeah. I just thought it was amazing. I mean, they really break down all of these procedures. And really, uh, I, I, it's, it's, I, I thought, found it fascinating. I loved it. Yeah. So um, the Win folks were, were found suitable. Um, that, does not, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to win the, uh, win the opportunity. But uh, they went through it. It was in, in interesting contrast to the situation in Pennsylvania, Right where they decided that they weren't going to participate. Um, so this, uh, I guess, in this case, they decided that things were uh, palatable enough that they were going to go through all this. Uh, well, worth but, it enough. Yeah, worth it enough to to uh, right to deal with a little bit more poking and prodding and yeah, turning right. his head and coughing. Right. I mean, it did. It you know, for all of you know, Wynn has complained about how he's been treated by some of these regulatory bodies, and we've talked about that on this show. 
Um, and, you know, they did ask a lot of questions, and they asked some of the same questions over and over again, such as they're right, as Dave will be uh, quickly quick to tell you. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, for whatever reason, the folks at Wynn decided that this opportunity was worthwhile enough to uh, go through all that where they didn't in Pennsylvania. Um, but uh, I don't know. I found it fascinating. I, I love getting this kind of information about uh, the workings of these places that we don't ordinarily get. Um, so I, I love uh, shine, shining this light on. I thought it was really awesome. So those of you that are interested, I will put the links into the show notes so that you can also uh, see Steve Wynn fall asleep during a uh, Massachusetts uh, hearing. All right. Uh, a couple more things before we are done. Quick, Real quickly, um, Link. The Link. Caesars is open. The Link, at least partially. You know, it's not completely done. But... Uh, the um, open street area known as the Link has opened. Dave, I, I'm, I haven't actually asked you this offline, but I'm assuming you've probably been down there? I've not. Ah, Dave. Okay, so... It was very close this morning, but I didn't actually go there. Okay, all right. Well, we forgive you. But, um, so, the Link is open. Uh, I, I guess I'm wondering, you know, now that, you know, it's not completely done, but we don't, you know, we... Even not being there, I think we can probably answer this question. Uh, how, how do we think the link's going to impact Las Vegas uh, in 2014? Is it going to be a big draw um, for folks, or is this going to be sort of a one-off that is just not that interesting? Well, I think other. I think definitely the people who run the casinos believe that it's going to be a big draw, and that's why we're seeing this explosion of retail. The the concept behind it is so fundamentally sound that I think it's inevitable that other people are looking to duplicate it. You know, basically. You've got a situation where more people are coming to Las Vegas, they're gambling less, but everybody has to eat a couple of times a day, everybody right. has to do something, see a show, so you give them the opportunity to do that, they're going to, they're gonna, yeah, it's, it's probably going to make money. Right. So I think, it's, I think from that perspective, it's going to be successful. I think the other interesting thing that people haven't touched on so much is that it really vindicates downtown Las Vegas, because it seems like hmm. what they're doing at Link is what you have in downtown Las Vegas. Right. You know, granted, yeah, right. it's not Slotzilla, it's the high roller, but it seems very, you know, places where you can drink, where you can kind of wander in and go oh. around and do all, have the, all these experiences. Right. So to me, that's kind of the striking thing is you have this major, for years, the major casino companies were basically the antithesis of downtown with, we're going to build these big air-conditioned boxes, get right. people to sit for three or four hours at a time in front of a slot machine, let them eat, see a show, and then go to bed. Yeah. You know, now it's like, hey, we're going to create this outdoor area where people are doing all these different things and huh. seeing shows. And so to me, that's the, that's the really, I don't want to, everything in this town, of course, is revolutionary and unprecedented and whatever, so I don't want to say that. To me, that's the really <laughs> interesting thing about it is the fact that you suddenly have the people who for so long have been dedicated to building big boxes now seem to be turning away from big boxes. That's really interesting. I haven't thought about that, uh, but that I think that you're really onto something there, Dave. Uh, uh, Chuck, what do you think about Link? Do you think it's going to be a game changer? I think bloggers are going to write a lot about it. That's it? Yep. Okay. I I don't think it, I don't think in the large structure really is going to matter that much. You know, it's uh, it's hard not to improve an alley that was like full of trash and garbage disposal stuff. Yep. I think if it does impact anything, it's going to change the dining in the Flamingo and the Quad. 
right. some stuff is going to probably go away. Different uh, places like the cafes and whatnot might get repurposed into other things, and uh, there might be some other structural changes around that because they can rely on the restaurants outside at that I, point. I think so. it is. It, it has the potential to um, make those properties seem more of one big melting pot, right? Like where before they seemed maybe more distinct. Oh, you have to have your own coffee shop. Oh, you have to have your own, you know, bar X Y Z. It, it as much as it kind of combines them as you can walk through them all and not really realize you're going through them. Yep. Hair is America. It's here. Right. No, it's, it's now. It's interesting, <laughs> and uh, having not experienced it myself, I can't speak from personal experience, obviously. But uh, I think it's. I think it's interesting. Well, we'll see. The other trend I'm seeing here is the erosion of the big casino idea. You know, where it used to be that you went to the casino, they delivered something that was seamless, it was all branded at the casino. You know, so you go to Bellagio, you can eat a cafe Bellagio. Right. You see the Bellagio shows. Right. If you look at what Caesars Entertainment is doing, they're breaking that up. Right. Where you've got, you know, it's Caesars Palace, which is the flagship. They've got the Laurel Collection. They've got the Nobu Hotel. So it's very interesting that they're doing... To me, it's very interesting that they're doing that. And to me, Link is part of the same process where you're sort of deconstructing the big box casino and doing something different. You know, is it going to be successful? I don't know. You know, I can say definitely someone who studied the history, there's a reason why the big boxes evolved because they were a lot more profitable than the small boxes and the places that weren't boxed. Um, That being said, the market's changing, so maybe this will be more successful. It's interesting. I think it'll be very curious to see how it progresses. I'm very. I'm also really interested to see how well the high roller does when it opens. Whether it's the kind of thing that people do once and never do again, or whether it's something that they mark as something they want to do every trip. Right. I mean, I think it's. I think that's going to be really telling. Whether it's like a stratosphere, like when in my you know three dozen trips to Las Vegas, I've been in the stratosphere twice. Is that is it that or is it something that I go every single time because it's so awesome? I don't know. I think I'll be curious to see how it plays out. I think the the nature of it because you can because those cars can be rented for corporate things. Yeah, changes that. Yep. You know you can't really do that for the Stratosphere. Right. Um, I think that that definitely factors in there the fact that you can do that. So, you know, I think even if it's only people who came to Vegas for the first time, you would still get a lot of people there. And I forget exactly their numbers for how many people an hour and blah 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 blah. But you know, I've got to think they've put a lot of thought into this, so oh, it'll I, probably I, do fairly well. I think financially they'll do fine with first timers, one timers. I'm just wondering if it's going to yeah. be like a Bellagio Fountains where like every single time it goes off, I want to see it because it's just magical or whether it's something where I can ignore it because I've been there, done that. Yeah. I, I don't know either. And I think that'll depend on what the actual experience that they deliver is. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not sure. And yeah. you know, kind of what they surround it with, which is yeah. the whole, which is, I guess the big question. It'll be interesting. Um, sort of building off that as we uh, go out of the show here, just talking about 2014 a little bit since it is the first show of the year. You know, we've got uh, Link is ex- opening and expanding into 2014. We've got the folks at Resorts World that are going to be, uh, you know, doing some real work uh, for the first time this year. Uh, folks at SLS, we see the continued rise of downtown. I'm, I'm just curious what both of you guys think 2014 is going to bring, and this isn't necessarily a, a uh, you know, we're going to grade you on your performance here, but, uh, you know, 
it's a new year. Um, what, do you, what do you think are going to be the interesting things we're going to be watching this year? Maybe, uh, Dave, if you've got an idea, I'll start with you. Sure. I think you'll see more, obviously, more shopping, a lot of construction. People will be watching SLS to see what happens there. And if Resorts World really gets underway and starts building, you might see some more investment coming into town. You think that's likely? that we, like, where, If we did get new investment, like where would they go? My, they might be buying a property that's already there. Yeah, you know, like Riviera or LVH or something like that? Yeah, I mean, there's properties that have, that have been for sale, so probably that's what you would see that. Um, don't know how much new construction there would be. Obviously, the two big things would be the Fountain Blue and the uh, El Adlan that used to be the Frontier. Yeah. So I think those are the two those are the two big pieces that will be in play. Um, probably they've both been for sale for several years. Don't know if the Fountain Blue is for sale officially. Right. But you know, I'm sure if the price was right, they would meet it. The question is when does that, you know, when does when do those uh, lines intersect and somebody's willing to pay what they think it's worth? Do you think that at the end of at December 31st, 2014, the Fountain Blue will still be standing? I think it'll still be standing. I don't know what shape it's going to be in. Fair enough. But I think it'll still be. Yeah, I don't. I think it'll still be there. All right, Chuck. Same question to you, and then I'm curious what you think 2014 is going to bring. Oh boy, you know, I think the Fountain Blue is not going anywhere for a while. If anything, uh, you know, Carl Icahn has other pots he's trying to boil, so that's going to stay there. Yeah, Tim Cook. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's trying to cook the cook. Uh, uh, regarding, regarding 2014, I think you guys have pretty much hit on everything. Uh, I'm, I've, I'm going to throw a, a long shot in here and say that something's going to happen at Circus Circus. Okay. Meaning what? Don't know. Like I'm thinking that, well, they might, maybe they might se- try separated th- from MGM, like get sold off or something? Well, it's possible they could do that. You know, it, it certainly occupies a, a place in their pecking order, the bottom. Yeah, sure. And but they've never they've had plenty of opportunity to put that thing into M Life. They don't. Uh, it just kind of sits there. So maybe they're waiting to get rid of it, or maybe they're going to put some money into it. Yeah. So what do you, you think about downtown? Um, oh, sorry, Dave. Was I cutting you off? Let me. We'll yeah, go back yeah. Um, Tell me about Circus Circus. I was driving down Industrial today, and I was sabering the Sarno block in the back of Circus Circus, and I was just appreciating how big a piece of a land that sits on. And I was thinking that if Resorts World is coming on, this is going to somebody's going to find a lot of value in this land for something. Right. right. And you know, it might not be the worst decision for for um, the company to sell that off and focus on their other properties. So that definitely could it could happen. Yeah. So. Sorry, Chuck. Uh, to go back to uh, your prognosis, um, you know, downtown, big story in 2013. Uh, we saw downtown Grand open, you know, a property that in Lady Luck that's been closed since, you know, the Truman administration. Um, <laughs> what uh, how, what do you think about downtown in 2014? Is down? I mean, not necessarily to prognosticate on downtown Grand itself, but you know, is that going to be driving force? Is downtown going to continue to expand? We saw Derek Stevens buy additional property that is, you know, we're not sure exactly what he's going to do with it yet. We've heard inklings. Um, what's going to happen downtown in 2014? Well, I think it's going to continue for sure. It's going to keep growing. Uh, I do think that uh, the summer is going to prove the mettle of the management team at Downtown Grand. I think they're going to bank a lot of what's going to happen on the, with the related to the picnic thing and 
finally having a you know six or eight months of operation and uh, if they can't really pull it out by summer something might happen i'm thinking late fall but late fall or the end of the year next year maybe a management change or or what have you so, yeah that's a really good that, question yeah that's a thought there too um I think the Las Vegas club is going to get sold finally. Uh, just guessing. We didn't talk about Las Vegas club, but it was the big loser in the trippies this year, right? I mean, it really, yeah. it was hard not to look at it as a visitor and not see something that's been really neglected, at least from the perspective of somebody just walking through the place. Um, is that, mm-hmm. is something going to happen there in 2014? Oh, uh, you know, I have no inside information, uh, about <laughs> if it is going to happen. Uh, I have some inside information that somebody made an offer on it, which if you read the VT Trippies thing, other people sort of fleshed out the details. But uh, somebody made an offer on it. The uh, money was transferred into escrow, and then uh, the ownership backed out of the deal at the absolute last minute. So uh, I'm thinking they're going to rethink that deal. And uh, so otherwise, they, you know, there's no hotel there. It's only operating for... right. For no reason at all, I don't think it makes any money. Uh, all the restaurants are closed. It's basically just a dead shell with a, you know, a table with some pimply strippers on it and right. a couple of craps tables. But uh, <laughs> I think that's going to go uh, at some point. The the, the other shoe is going to drop on that. Yeah, it seems inevitable. Yeah. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on downtown in 2014? Well, I. I'll be interesting to see what uh, Slotzilla does. And if that really changes the dynamic there, you know, if it kind of walls off Fremont East and, uh, or if it walls off the casinos from Fremont East. You know, so far we've seen a lot of interplay there. I, I really want to see how that develops. So are you going to work for Zappos in 2014? Highly unlikely, but I would never <laughs> say never. You know, obviously would entertain any, any uh, offers, but... Um, not not really foreseeing that happening. Fair enough. Fair Probably enough. wouldn't uh, have the right ratio of collisions to uh, serendipity. What if they gave you your own Tesla, though? Then you'd have to say yes. Still, the colli- <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd be uh, collision, collision uh, worthy enough. I don't know. Oh, dear. I'll take, the, I'll take the Tesla, but I don't think I'll pass the drug test. Oh, ouch. Oh, well, I don't, you know, they have the, they, you know, they're doing the holacracy, holacracy thing now, right, where they don't have management. That, that was the story from, like, December. The Zappos folks are going to do away with any tiered management sort of traditional business structure. They're going to do holacracy where they basically everybody just does what they want. Well, everybody yeah. reports to Tony. Tony's the only boss. Yeah, we'll see how that <laughs> works. me, man. He's the, he's the omniscient, ultimate, permanent ruler. I, I don't, you know, it's funny because they got bought, obviously got bought by Amazon. Uh, I, I guess uh, Jeff Bezos is just like, hey, this guy is smart. He's doing, he's doing something that works. I'm going to leave him alone. But, like, everything I know about Bezos, like, I know people that work for Bezos. Like, he does not seem like the holacracy kind of dude. Like, he seems like a very rigid management kind of guy. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, very interested to see how that works out. They're obviously uh, the Zappos downtown project slash type people are invent- investing a lot in downtown. We'll see how that goes. And it's going to probably be a- another big story in 2014, just as it was in 2013. 
All right, that's it. We're done. That's it. Sure bets. What's up next? So, sure bets. This is our opportunity to tell you, people, listeners of Earth, uh, the things <laughs> that we think are cool because we see cool stuff and we want to share it with you. Uh, it does not have to be casino related, but it certainly can be. So, uh, if you're visiting Vegas and we've got something for you, good for you. And if not, hopefully, we uh, can impact your daily life in another way. Um, Dave, I know you have something because we talked about this before we started. So why don't you share with us what you got? Yeah, you know, I'm recording this episode fresh from the exhilaration of Feld Entertainment presenting Disney's Rockin' Ever After, uh, which is this winter's Disney on Ice show. And uh, took my family there and actually had a really good time. It's about a two-hour show, so you get a lot of bang for the buck. You do kind of like, you know, to get to the casino buffet, you have to go past all the slot machines. To get actually to your seats, you have to go past all the places selling $22 pieces of plastic ah, right. before you can get there. And snow cones, I mean, you know, there's, there, I had a lot of pushback about the snow cones and right, uh, right, right. candy, candy, not candy corn, uh, cotton candy and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can get past that and actually look at the performance, you know, these, I don't know how these people do it where they're, you know, do the, doing these incredible ice, uh, moves and everything. It's just really incredible. So really good show. Top to bottom. Do you know, is this something that is traveling like city to city? Like it's going to be in St. Louis next or is this concurrently happening? They're in Vegas for a couple of days at the Thomas and Mack Center, and then uh, who knows where they go next. But yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure it's a, tour. it's a tour. If you're interested in what's... I'm trying to remember the exact uh, kind of set list there. It starts off with Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and, and Donald, and I couldn't understand a word that Donald was saying. Goofy was kind of 50-50. <laughs> but then they actually do they do excerpts from the shows, kind of little distillations. So if I'm remembering this right, they had Rapunzel. They had... Brave, which was really cool. They had um, Little Mermaid. Uh, Beauty and the Beast was the last one, and I'm blanking on the other one that they had that was that that was also your, pretty your good. Your kids so. enjoyed it. Yeah, oh, Rapun- yeah, Rapunzel. Yeah, the kids loved it. So it, it, people really liked it. Everyone around us liked it. One like four month old kid didn't like it so much, but uh, you know. um, she eventually. Eventually was quiet, but it's really cool, really cool. Again, if you can get a, can kind of avoid all the hucksterism of buy this and buy that, you right. know, all these uh, things. It was really cool and just incredibly talented cast. So, well, if you ever gets my vote, if you've ever been to a Disney theme park, you know how to avoid all the hucksterism. It's part of the Disney way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really, really cool show. Awesome, fantastic. Uh, Charles, do you have something for us? Yes, I do. Uh, my pick is an old pick. I don't know if I, I don't, maybe I didn't pick this before, but uh, uh, it's music, and uh, it is a band called uh, Porcupine Tree, which some of you may or may not have heard of. It's, uh, it's head by a guy named Stephen Wilson. He started this, I think, in the early 90s. He tried to create a, uh, a fictional prog rock band, and 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 he basically created the mythology of this band and and put it out that these were the lost recordings of this band from the 70s. Oh, nice. And it was just one guy and then these things started circulating in the tape trading community amongst 
prog rock, uh, you know, fans. And eventually he actually started to get a couple of guys to come play with him. And then they became an official real band. And it's some really brainy, fantastic, uh, creative music. I've uh, been, a, been a fan for a long time, but lately the couple of albums in particular have really hit me. Uh, uh, in Absentia from 2002, Fear of a Blank Planet from 2007, and uh, Dead Wing from 2005. Uh, I was playing a bunch of it before the Trippies webcast, so you might have heard a few of those tunes from there. Right Porcupine Tree. Pretty Is cool. Is that uh, something that people can find on like <laughs> iTunes or Spotify or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Great. So I'll definitely I'll link out to that. Fantastic. Thanks. Um, cool. So I am going to talk about uh, an app since I do that from time to time. Um, I uh, I have an iPhone and an iPad and a, and a laptop, and so I'm moving between these things. And I, you know, it's not uncommon for me to like see something on my iPhone that I want to read on my Mac or something. Maybe it's like a link that I don't want to read on the tiny screen of the phone and I want to look at it on my computer. And so for a long time, I would just like email myself a link, which was really ghetto. Mm. Um, so yeah, lately I've been using a new, a new app to handle this for me. It's actually called, it's called command C, which is brilliant. <laughs> if you think about that, because command C is copy, right? If you are a Mac person, maybe if you're a windows person, it's control C, but it's the same kind of idea. The app is called command C and it, you can install it on your, it, 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 they have versions for the iPhone, the iPad and the Mac, and it lets you just share stuff really easily. It lets you share the contents of the clipboard between your devices. So I can easily send the contents of my iPhone clipboard to my Mac to open when I'm not around. So I'll be sitting in bed looking at my iPhone, see a link I want, and I can really easily with like one tap send it to my to my Mac to read later. So um, I, I actually have found it quite useful. I think it's uh, um, a very fun thing. So I uh, will add this to my uh, sure bet for the week. So Command C, it's on the App Store. I think it's like four bucks or something. Uh, you pay once and you get it across all the platforms. And I, I've been using it a bunch, so it's very cool. Cool, guys. So, all right, that is it for today. Thank you guys so much for doing the show with me. I always love it. It feels like it's been forever. We had some great interviews in December, but, Chuck, we really missed you. Um, I missed you guys, too. And uh, it's great to be back after the holidays and talk about new stuff. Uh, It's really fantastic. So thank you. Um, Those of you out there in TV land, don't forget to rate the show on iTunes. It actually... uh, you know, it helps other people find it, which is we always want more and more people to listen. That's we love doing it, so uh, that always helps us out. Um, if you want to leave a comment about the show or ask a question or whatever, feel free. Go to VegasGamePodcast.com. The uh, show will be listed there, and you can leave a comment. Um, also, you can uh, reach us on Twitter at, at VegasGang. And uh, yeah, thanks guys. I'm going to go around the table. You guys can tell people where they can find you if they want to contact you directly. So, Dr. Dave, where can people find you? DGSchwartz.com or gaming.unlv.edu for all those really nifty reports. Exactly. Uh, all this stuff, well, I'm going to link to it in the show notes, but cool. uh, for the section of the show where we talked about numbers, I learned everything I know from Dave. So um, it's all on the uh, Center for Gaming Research website, and we'll link out to that. So if you want to see all the numbers in gritty detail, that's where you go. All right. Uh, Chuck Monster, where can people find you? Where can people see the trippies? Yeah, you can find the trippies at vegastripping.com slash trippies2014. T-R-I-2-P's, 
IES2014 forward slash. And uh, you can also find me in the Vegas Gang Facebook group. And also, uh, yeah, that's it. And I do need to mention where you said that you learned everything from Dave. I Basically, everything I've learned is from Dave, too. So if you need to know anything, just call Dave. Don't call me. <laughs> Especially if you need carpet, you call Dave. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> he, he is the carpet expert. Fantastic. Thank you so much, you guys. Um, folks, uh, I have an app on the App Store. It's called Vegas Mate. You can download it for free. And uh, if you like it, you can, uh, well, at the moment, you can't pay anything. But soon, soon, right? When I fix my problem, you'll be able to pay. <laughs> um, love you guys. Have a great day. Thanks. Right. Awesome. Thanks. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you all. <laughs>